Hello and welcome to the Wrestling Rodeo Podcast. Currently, we're going back to the 1980s and talking about some classic Stampede Wrestling. In this episode, you'll hear about Stampede Wrestling from May through June 1987. I'm your host, Paul, and as always, my co-host Mitch is with me. How y'all doing? And by with me, I mean virtually. Because of social distancing, we are both safe in our own house. Yep, safe and sound. Opening up with the May 29th episode, we got into it pretty quickly. Ron Ritchie beating Carrie Brown. This match was really good. It was Carrie Brown being a traditional heel, stirring up shit. Ron Ritchie's in control. Carrie Brown low blows him, gets control of the match. And in one of my favorite moments of these shows, Carrie Brown immediately goes to the referee and starts convincing him that there was no low blow. And you can see the referee thinking about it and then going, eh, Carrie's right. There wasn't a low blow. Well, you know, it's all part of working the ref. You do that in any sport. <laughs> Convince the ref that what he saw happen just didn't happen. One, one of the things I really appreciate about this match was the commentary of Ed Whalen and Jim Davies because they're telling the story that Ron Ritchie, he's a slow starter. And he starts to thrive as the match continues on and the emotions get higher and higher. And almost as if there was a cue, immediately Ron Ritchie starts a comeback and he gets a big right-hand punch from the second rope to the downed Kerry Brown. He whips Kerry Brown into the shoulder ropes and goes for a shoulder block, but big Kerry Brown is a lot of man to move that way. And he doesn't move, Ron Ritchie goes down. Yeah, Carrie Brown's just a beast of a human being. Like, I wouldn't even know who to compare him to in wrestling today. Well, that'd be a hard one. Like, the, the only guy in the local scene that really reminds me of him is the thickness. Yeah, a little bit, if he was taller. But the, the thickness works such a different style, right? Like, the thickness isn't necessarily a plodding heel where he wears down the other guy he's bringing it to him and he's doing all the flips and everything so i don't know if there is someone that i would compare him to yeah they are similar as far as thickness they're both pretty thick they're a little too thick to throw around yeah carrie brown was just a dominant force in the 80s and earlier than that too, the late 70s he was just a beast yeah and you can tell that he is an incredible professional wrestler um, but as you said, he was a beast in the 80s and the 70s, and it kind of showed at the end here that he thought that too, and he got a little too cocky, went for a second shoulder block, but Ron Ritchie avoided it and gave him the roll-up and got the pinfall. Yeah, and you're looking at a guy later in his career who never really had, I think, the stamina. So I think later in that match, Kerry Brown was suffering a little more than you would have seen. Mm -hmm. So after that match, we, we get a couple of promos. We get champagne jerry morrow in the ring with jim davies cutting a promo he's holding a little bit of the bubbly he's telling owen hart just to give him the belt because owen won't be able to compete i'm not too familiar with jerry morrow this is the first time i've ever actually seen him yeah jerry was a colorful character you know i think he, he cuts pretty good promos he brings a lot of energy and he's a pretty good wrestler yeah, you can see that later in the show where he's he's able to hang with these guys. And yeah, like I say, I always kind of liked his promos because he 
often brings a lot of energy to them. Yeah, and from there we go to one other promo, Bad News Allen, the former Bad News Brown from the WWF. He's in the ring with Ed Whalen. I like the relationship between Ed Whalen and Bad News Allen. It's really interesting, isn't it? It really is. You know that Bad News Allen is a little bit of a dick. He's a jerk. But Ed Whalen is just like, yeah, this is my guy. Yeah, they're buddies. And even when he cheats, Ed kind of... Looks the other way. He'll, he'll make a little comment. But he's pretty, just nice to him the whole interview. Yeah, like they're, they're best friends, even though Ed Whalen hates every other bad guy on the show. Yeah, it's funny. It's neat to see just kind of a different relationship where they, they, I don't know, I think a little more real. It brings a reality to it. That's one thing that's really common throughout all the stampede is they really kind of blur those lines. Yeah, they want, you know, to them, if you go home, that everything you saw was just the wrestling, you know, like uh, two guys came in with no plan. They did an awesome job of displaying that. This promo from Bad News Allen was really great, too. Um, he's taking exception being ranked fourth in the uh, championship rankings, and he's asking Ed, he's asking Stu, he's asking everyone in that audience what he's going to have to do to be able to challenge Owen for the championship. And he, he puts over Johnny Smith, and previously I said, I think Johnny Smith is the cousin of Davy Boy. But here he, he said that Johnny Smith was the brother of Davy Boy. Well, what's he? But he says, if Johnny Smith is anything like Davy Boy Smith, it's going to be a hell of a battle. Uh, I thought this promo was great because it really set in motion a couple of storylines. It set in motion a couple of matches. It even kind of teases Davy Boy Smith later. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's the uh, Davy Boy was one of a kind. I haven't seen him in Stampede, and unfortunately, he was gone before 1987 out of Stampede Wrestling. So we won't get to see a whole lot of him on these tapes, but I loved him in the WWF. Oh, yeah. I just, he was one of the top guys there. You just loved him. And when he made it big, you were happy for him. And that's one thing with uh, Bad News Allen. And I think it was earlier that he did it. But I think he was one of the best turns from bad guy to good guy that Stampede did when I was young. Yeah. Bad News Allen? Yeah, he was a bad guy forever and then they turned him good. And it was it was, it was probably the best done one I saw back in the day. So how, how did they turn him? Um... Can't remember the exact circumstances, but he came out as that, you know, the bad guy willing, you know, he was pretty much what we saw, but in the good guy mm -hmm. camp. So he was doing it to the, you know, the Gamma Sings. And uh, yeah, it was, he was one of my favorite characters back then. Well, I mean, Bad News Allen is a legitimate badass. He lived in Japan. He learned judo. He represented the U.S. He won a bronze medal at the Montreal Olympics in judo. This is a guy that has such legitimate credentials. Even in wrestling, like you watched him, and you could tell that this guy just 
oozes ability, athleticism, uh, skill. Yeah, and he talks a good game too. Yeah, his his promos are really good. And I think that could be why Ed likes him, is from those days where he was the good guy. Uh, maybe that's that's probably it. He probably remembers those battles that he had as a as a good guy against the evildoers, and he can't kind of realize that his friend might have taken a wrong yeah, turn. Yeah, he might be relapsing into his old habit. So moving on from bad news, Allen, we move on to a tag team match between the Viet Cong Express, Viet Cong Express number one, and Viet Cong Express number two, uh, defeating. Keichi Yamada and Mr. Hito. As always, this entire match, I was cheering for Mr. Hito to get the win. But the talent in this match is insane. Vietcom Express number one is Hiroshi Haze, and Keichi Yamada is Jushin Thunder Liger, who is an absolute legend in wrestling and especially in the Japanese wrestling circuit. Yeah, and this was an amazing match. Was this the first time we saw the both members of Viet Cong Express? Yeah, this was the first time that I'd, I've seen both members of Viet Cong Express and also the first time I saw Keiichi Yamada. And this, this match was incredible. It was some of the best in-ring work I've seen from Stampede. It was, everything was so crisp. Everything tells a story and you can tell that even this early in their careers, these guys were just incredible. Yeah, and the whole match... I don't know. I find in matches like this, I, I don't really care who wins. You know what I mean? It's it's just such a good display of wrestling. Yeah, you, you just really love to sit back, relax, and watch these guys put on this performance that almost transcends wrestling in a way. Like it transcends good guys, bad guys. Yeah. Uh, trying to fight. It's just you watch and you just admire these athletes going at it yeah it was very impressive and i always think in matches like that that's where the uh starting them part way in kind of is a shame because it would have been great to see that whole match oh i'd i'd love to see this entire match mind you we'd have to go there live <laughs> I, I unfortunately can't go back in time to 1987 to watch the show live. <laughs> Just a thought. But the Vietcong Express, they get the pinfall victory. Mr. Hito had tagged back in, and the Vietcong Express win with a karate kick. And then we got a rare promo from the Vietcong Express where they stated that they're looking towards Duke Myers and Kerry Brown as stepping stones to the tag team championships being held by Brian Pillman and Bruce Hart, the team of bad company. And this seems to be a trend with the Viacom Express where, where they kind of get thrown into matches against guys that are good, guys that are bad, whoever. Bruce Hart, who was booking Stampede at this time, was just, he had the luxury of just having these two guys that he could throw into any sort of match against anyone. Yeah, it doesn't matter in that lineup who you put them up against. They're going to put a hard match against them. You know, they might not win everyone, but it's going to be a battle.
even them not working tags. Like it's two guys that are wearing the same mask that have roughly the same belt. So they can just flip in and out of the, uh, the ring, not tag in, get the fresh guy in. You can tell that they're going to use that more against guys like Brian Pillman and Bruce Hart that are so loved by the crowd. They'll use every trick in the book. They want the belt. Mm-hmm. They, they want the belt, and it's refreshing to see everybody really want that belt and really progress towards that belt. Because so many times we just seem to have matches for the sake of having matches. Yeah, and I think that goes back to the ranking. Yeah. Even though they don't talk about them a lot, you have the feeling that there's actual rankings there, like a boxing or... so you can see why certain guys get matches and certain guys don't. And then you get that nice storyline with a guy like bad news Allen, where he thinks he should be at the top right off the bat. So I kind of like it. Yeah. I like the ranking system as well. And it's one of the things I've always appreciated about wrestling. I liked it when TNA tried to bring it back. I like that AEW is doing it now. It works really well. And it makes it really clear to viewers that might not be familiar with the product why these guys are getting the matches they're getting. Yeah, and it puts you more into the storyline too, I think. It's like it's like having stats during a ball game or it just brings you into it a little more. Totally. Moving on from the Viet Cong Express promos, we have an Owen Hart promo where he says that Jerry Morrow t- stole $10,000 from him that he won after beating the Angel of Death. Owen said he won't call the police because he'd rather settle it man to man and that he would even put his championship belt on the line for it. How honorable is Owen's character and how confident is he? Oh, he's just becoming Cassius Clay type or Muhammad Ali as a young guy where, you know, he just doesn't fear anyone. And so he doesn't have to follow anyone's rules about it either. Yeah, especially the $10,000. Speaking of the $10,000, Jim Davies asked Ed Whalen how much money he thinks is left of it. And in one of the funniest moments of these shows, Ed Whalen says he got a look at Moro's bottle of champagne and he says it was garbage, calls it cheap. So there's going to be a lot of that money left over. <laughs> But didn't he, uh, didn't Jerry Morrow say he'd spent it all in one of his interviews? Yeah, Jerry Morrow claimed he spent it all, but Ed, Ed Whalen begs to differ. That champagne is cheap. Oh, that's what that was. Okay. I was having trouble following, I guess. Then we go into the previously hyped Bad News Allen versus Johnny Smith match. Like I was saying before, Bad News Allen is just so intimidating in the ring. It's just such an air of legitimacy to his matches. It's it's like when you have a, a guy like Brock Lesnar line up in that ring and he just brings that, I'm a legitimate badass. I'm, I could really legitimately hurt you vibe to the match. Yeah, somebody you would fear. And very quickly, he headbutts Johnny Smith and opens him up. Yeah, he's he's a legitimate champion i think totally uh, smith gets back in the ring allen runs over him and puts him down with a huge whip into the corner and a stiff clothesline gets the pin 
and then after the match, he grabs Johnny Smith and tosses him over the top rope, which, as you mentioned, isn't a red card if you do it after the match. But it's such a sign of disrespect, and it's almost a message for the rest of Stampede Wrestling that Bad News Allen is back, and you better be ready to fight him. Moving on from that, we take a look at Stampede International Tag Team Championship match. Brian Pillman and Bruce Hart are the champions. They defeat Ben Doon McDonald and Mockin Singh. Seeing Pillman like this was really awesome to me. To me, the, the Brian Pillman that I know is the loose cannon from WWF. But here he's in his athletic prime, and it really shows his pure athletic ability. You can still see that he's learning to work with the crowd and how to really wrestle well. But that raw ability and that raw promise, you can see just shine through the surface. Oh, yeah. And that's a great tag team, too. Because you've got the older generation and the young, younger generation. So it's a good bridging of the world. Yeah, Hart really helps him along in a lot of ways. And he... he you can, it's always a learning experience for Brian Pillman when he's in there with Bruce Hart. And you can see later in Brian Pillman's career as he moved through WCW and WWF, those kind of lessons that he learned in Stampede. It was a really cool thing to see. Oh, yeah. It was, he's uh, another one of those guys I didn't really remember from back in the day. So seeing him out there performing that peak levels was just awesome yeah this match was really good too um it wasn't quite Connor express versus keichi yamada mr hito earlier in the show but it was a really great tag team match and it really goes to show how good mockensing is that he could go from the heavyweight championship picture to the tag team title picture with a whole new tag team partner and still be a really good act yeah, he's uh, top for a reason. A huge individual. He knows how to throw his weight around in the ring, and he knows how to circumvent the rules when it serves his purpose. So, you know, he's a dangerous competitor, whatever belt he happens to be going after. Absolutely, and it, it really showed as he leveled Bruce Hart with the Karachi Crunch. Uh, Pillman breaks up the submission that Ben Doon McDonald quickly puts Bruce into. And then Pillman gets hit by the Karachi Vice and Mockin Singh pins Pillman to win. But referee Wayne Hart runs in and he reverses the decision saying that Bruce Hart was thrown over the top rope by Mockin Singh before he went for the pin. And that was an immediate red card and an immediate disqualification. So the belts are taken away from Singh and McDonald and given back to Pillman and Hart. Which was kind of a change from the, the ref coming in and screwing them out of the belt. Yeah, the referee comes in and reverses the decision. It was, it was refreshing to see, and it was also refreshing to see a match that just upon referee reversal didn't just start again. Yeah, just overturned the decision and that was it. And from two hearts, Bruce Hart, Wayne Hart, we go to the third one of the show, Owen Hart, he's the champion again. He's the North American heavyweight champion. He's defending against Jerry Morrow. 
it was great to see the belt back on Owen Hart. It looked so natural. And with a smaller opponent than Mock and Singh, he was really able to show a lot more unique and spectacular moves. Like for just this one moment in this match, he hits a missile drop kick from one corner, two thirds of the way across the ring to the other corner. And it just, it really shows how fast and agile and athletic Owen Hart was. Oh, and his ability to position himself in the air. Like, that's not an easy thing to do, to land things properly. Oh, I agree wholeheartedly. And both men spill out to the outside, and they both get counted out. So it's, it's a double count out. Owen Hart's still the champion, but Jerry Morrow didn't lose. Jim Davies is in the ring interviewing Owen, and Owen is clearly not happy about how the match finished. And he says he never wants to be a chicken champion and says he'll defend against anyone whenever they earn it. It's one of the best pure babyface champion promos I've heard in a long time. Yeah, and he was perfect for it. Like, you know, it really, what he was saying matched who he was, I think. Yeah, there was an authenticity to it. Like we said with Bad News Allen, how Bad News Allen is legitimately a badass. You believe it. Owen Hart had this authenticity with everything he said and everything he did that you look at him and go, yeah, this guy is a true fighting champion. Yeah, and you don't see any match, you know, or I don't anticipate seeing any matches where he's ducking that. Which makes the bad news, Ellen, tirades about how he's hiding from him kind of funny. Yeah, totally. And that's a great segue into the next episode, actually, Mitch, on June 5th, 1987. Bad News is back in the ring for an interview, and he puts over Ed Whalen's wardrobe. Like, he says Ed Whalen's dress so well, and he says Jim Davies' dress is like crap. Uh, but that he ultimately came back for one thing, the Stampede North American Heavyweight Championship, and that Owen Hart has turned out to be a coward. And he pulls this chicken out of a Safeway bag, like a, a, a dead chicken, like one you would roast. He pulls it out of the shopping bag and he's taped paper tights to it. And he's taped a paper championship and he's taped a picture of Owen Hart's face to it. <laughs> and he just rips the chicken apart in the ring while Ed Whalen stands there just looking at him. Which is, you know, that's, that's just, Pure entertainment there. Because you do not expect that to happen. No, and I, I didn't expect the attention to detail. Like he went out and got like little tiny pictures of Owen Hart's tights printed out so he could tape it to this chicken. Yeah, it was it was a good promo. And again, like I said, he was, you know, he's one of the best at doing those promos. He could really really get it going. Oh yeah, his his promo game was amazing uh, but after that promo we go into the first singles match of the show the cuban assassin beating keichi yamada by count out cuban assassin was picking up yellow cards pretty quickly in that one and even though yamada's getting beat down the commentary is putting over his abilities significantly and the crowd's really behind him you can tell they're behind him. They're clapping. They're trying different chants. They haven't quite found one that works yet. You know, as well as I do, it's hard to develop a good chant. Sometimes it just comes to you, and other times 
you struggle with it for a while. Uh, Yamada has a quick little comeback, hits Cuban Assassin with a big missile drop kick and a somersault, which Cuban Assassin kicks out of. He, uh, he gets a huge high angle vertical suplex on Cuban Assassin, and it was, it was a thing of beauty. He hits a splash from the top, it goes for the pin, but Jerry Morrow's out and interfering. He puts Cuban Assassin's leg on the rope in the referee seats and then calls it a rope break. That, that's, that's just a good friend. Uh, one of the best friends out there, Jerry Morrow. And Keiji Yamada gets out of the ring to confront Jerry Morrow while he's yelling at the referee. And Cuban Assassin sneaks up behind him and smashes him into the ring post. And the referee counts Yamada out. And that's how he loses that match to the Cuban Assassin. That was one thing with, you know, if you're facing the Cuban Assassin, though, you know that's going to happen. So to me, you kind of have it come. <laughs> Going from Keiichi Yamada to his tag team partner from the previous week, Mr. Hito finds himself in a match against Bad News Allen. And as much as I'm cheering for Mr. Hito, I knew he didn't have a hope in hell in this match. Yeah, that one's a bit of a mismatch, really. Right. And, you know, just uh, he ends up being one of the people that's just got to get grinded under that New Zealand feed. Yeah, and when we join the match, we hear that Bad News Allen had already gotten his first yellow card. And Jim Davies is bringing attention to Mr. Hito actually wearing boots for the first time to protect himself from any stomps to the toes that Bad News Allen might do. Bad News Allen throws Hito into the, into the ring post, gets his second yellow card of the match, and then he gets Mr. Hito back in the ring and uh, mercifully ends it. <laughs> yeah, he gave him a bit of a beating, but probably not as much as he could have had he really wanted to. But like I say, I think this one was a bit of a stepping stone match more than one he had a lot of passion against his opponent. It's a match to make sure that he's on the show. Just basically sending a message to everyone else of what he could do. So I think, you know, that match really opened people's eyes that he was on the scene. Could be, but a man with the reputation of Bad News Allen if he's anywhere near the building, you know what he's going to do. You know what he's capable of. Yeah, but it's good to be able to see it. <laughs> That's true. We're going to have another one-on-one -on -one match from a tag team match the previous week. We have Ben Dune McDonald defeating Brian Pillman by disqualification. And Pillman is raw in the ring here, but he's so athletic and he's so explosive. There's one point where he hits Ben Dune with a running clothesline and he jumps into it. So it's a little bit of a flying clothesline. He jumps and he almost lands outside of the ring. Like he hits this clothesline and his feet come out from under him in front of him. And then his feet go out between the first and second rope. So he's so athletic that he almost throws himself out of the ring performing a jumping clothesline. Yeah, he was definitely uh, a talented guy, but a raw talent. 
Yeah. And you, you can tell that everything caught up with him later in his career too, where he really became that total package. Yeah. Which is why it's kind of neat to see him early on where you can kind of see where he started from. Cause a lot of times with these guys, you only see them when they kind of reach the top and it's fun to watch them when they were younger. Yeah, especially with the advantage of hindsight, knowing what Brian Pillman became and what he did in his career and how influential Brian Pillman is to wrestling today. To be able to go back and see how he got his start is really interesting to me. Yeah, and it's kind of early too. So, uh, you know, we should see a lot more of him, which I'm really looking forward to. Mm -hmm. And this match ended as a disqualification because Brian Pillman got a little bit overzealous and threw... Ben Doon McDonald over the top rope, disqualification, red card, automatic, he loses. And in the post-match interview, he is fired up. He is so livid. He's saying that he and Bruce Hart are going to beat Ben Doon and Mackensing on the next show. So he's setting it up while Mackensing was suspended this week. For being Mackensing? Do you think that would be an acceptable suspension reason? You're suspended for a week because Mockinson, you're Mockinson. Well, that's the great thing about making the decision and owning the promotion as a family. Is you kind of get to call the shots. That's fair. The next match, we have a little bit more continuity from the May 29th show where Vietcong Express in that promo said they were going to go through the Masters of Disaster, Duke Myers and Carrie Brown, and they did. Viet Cong Express winning this match. Carrie Brown dragging Viet Cong Express number one, I believe it was, into the crowd. And he slams him against a steel girder before dragging him back into the ring and tagging in Myers. So I don't know how he didn't get a card for doing that. Because... Well, the referee was distracted. But you, you literally dragged a guy out into the crowd and slammed him into a steel stanchion that's a building support. How isn't that at least a yellow card? Well, it wasn't head first, though, was it? I mean, I, I, think, I don't think, I think it really matters a, if it was. <laughs> I think back then it would, though. If it was a head blow onto a steel thing, yeah. But just a body blow? No, that's that's just part of wrestling. You got the 10 count off to get back. Maybe. Uh, but I, I really enjoyed this match. I enjoyed watching these two teams work each other. It was such a good mix of talent. And stylistically, it was a great matchup. Brown and Myers are more brawlers. They're more ground and pound. They're more going to wear you down. And Viacom Express is very high flying. They're very fast paced. Yeah, they're going to hit you 50 times for every time you hit them once in a match like that, I think. So it just comes down to who wins out at the end. Absolutely. Viacom Express ends up getting the win here, pinning Kerry Brown and distracting Myers on the outside. And the crowd was definitely behind Vietcong Express in this match. But they're still showing more heel tendencies in how they're winning. And I love the shades of gray with these guys. 
Oh yeah, it's, it makes them one of the most interesting tag teams going, I think, in the show because you, you know, on any given night they could be one side or the other, and they always bring ability. Yeah, and the crowd really respects their ability too. Yeah, I think there's some guys that you just, you know, it doesn't matter what side they're on, you just respect what they are. We move on to the rematch for the North American heavyweight title. Next, Owen Hart defending against Jerry Morrow with Cuban Assassin and Bruce Hart handcuffed to each other's in the corner of the ring. Uh, just to make sure there's no outside interference from those two. And those two are brawling back and forth while Jerry Morrow is hitting some clubbing blows to Owen while he's tied up in the ropes on the apron. Yeah, and Jerry Morrow's, you know, you can't take him lightly because he can beat you on any given night. So, you know, much as Owen, that's the dangerous thing about being a fighting champion is... You know, it's awful hard to win every night. Mm-hmm. And Owen Hart ultimately gets the win in this one. He hits a beautiful sunset flip pin. And from there, it just becomes pandemonium. Bad News Allen and Jerry Moore were both in the ring. They're both beaten down Owen Hart. Brian Pillman and Ron Ritchie come in to try to make the save. They both get beaten up. Davy Boy Smith ends up coming out of the crowd and getting in the ring. And Jerry Morrow and Bad News Allen both just hightail it out of there. And I can't blame them. He was huge. He was absolutely massive. I hope that we get to see Davy Boy work for Stampede Wrestling at some point in these tapes because I'd love to see what he brings in a larger role than he had in WWF. Well, in a completely different format. Like, it, it, it really scares me to think what he could do with two yellow cards. But he's, he's honorable. He wouldn't do that, Mitch. No, but you know what I mean. Like, he could destroy you already, and he's got two yellow cards you can use. So I wouldn't get on his bad side. <laughs> that's, that's the conclusion. That's the cliffhanger of the June 5th show. June 12th, uh, we have Viet Cong Express number one defeating the brother of Davy Boy Smith, Johnny Smith. It was a good match. The crowd was split between the two of them. Viet Cong Express had Johnny Smith in a submission hold right in the middle of the ring, but he releases him because it wasn't working fast enough. And then he starts focusing on Smith's back. He's kicking him in the back he's hitting him with knees he's hitting axe handle strikes to his back and then he throws smith out between the second and third ropes where he quickly follows and he grabs a chair and he smashes johnny smith in the back for a yellow card crazy to see an attack with a chair not being an instant disqualification the yellow card system was always a little uh forgive more forgiving i think than it should have been, but it made for some entertaining fights. Like he, he picked up a chair and used it as a weapon. That should definitely be a red card. Well, today it would be, for it, sure. It, it is today. But Johnny Smith, he fights through the pain. He gets the upper hand on Viet Cong. He hits him with a big slam and then a leg drop before asking the crowd if, if they want the power slam. 
The crowd says yes, of course. Ed Whalen quips in with the comment. He takes requests. And he goes up to the top rope, but Viet Cong grabs his leg and pulls him down. And then it hits Smith with this beautiful bridging fisherman suplex for the pinfall victory. Yeah, that was a beautiful move. And I think we've seen him use that a couple of times. It's it's an impressive thing to watch. It's an incredible thing to watch. Like it's so beautiful. Even today you watch that move. And there's just something about it. It's so aesthetically pleasing to the eye that you you almost want it to finish every match that it's hit in. Yeah, it's not the most powerful of moves, but if you've got the opponent on the edge, you can finish it. But it's not something you would use early in a match. No. But going from one Viet Cong Express member to the other one, we have Viet Cong Express number two defeating Keiichi Yamada by countout. And Viet Cong Express two is so... Like he's solidly in control until he goes up to the top rope and misses an elbow drop. And I think this is the first time I've heard Ed Whalen in these tapes with the call malfunction at the junction. The Ed Whalen, Ed Whalen standby. It was just one of his best. Yamada's in control for a bit. He's getting some great moves in. And Viet Cong Express number one comes down to the ring pushes number two out of the ring, takes his place, and hits a German suplex on Yamada, and then throws him out of the ring where he's then counted out. And the referees, the announcers, Yamada didn't notice the switch until after the match when Jim Davies goes, wait, why are the Viet Cong Express number one and number two out here? And again, that's the good thing about being a tag team that looks very similar. Things get a little confusing during a match. Especially the uh, benefit of instant replay. Did he come down or was he under the ring? He must have been under the ring. Didn't one kind of roll under the ring? I didn't see him enter the, the frame. Like, he just kind of popped up from the apron and he was there. Yeah. But either way, it was a great finish as far as entertainment felt. It was awesome. We go from that finish where the announcers are already riled up to Bad News Allen defeating Ron Ritchie very quickly. Very, very quickly. Like, Ron Ritchie didn't have a chance. Bad News Allen was coming. He was going to put Ron Ritchie down. And Bad News did just that. The most interesting part of the match here is Ed Whalen is starting to waver on Bad News Allen after his actions the previous week, beating up the Hearts and Brian Pillman and Ron Ritchie. But he's still in the camp a little bit. Yeah, he hasn't left it entirely, but you can tell he's kind of softening his position. And, you know, that's Ed. He's a loyal guy. Totally. He won't turn on you right away. And you get you get a strong 
promo from Bad News saying that he's going to be challenging Owen Hart for the championship the next week. And that's one you really, really look forward to. Things. I'm, I'm kind of picturing that this could be something that goes on for three or four weeks with these two guys coming at each other. Oh, I hope it does. The Owen Hart cuts a promo, quote-unquote, from a secure location. He's back in bandages. He's got bandages over his eye again. He's telling everyone that he won't quit, that he won't be stopped, that he's going to put Bad News Allen down in the ring. And the only thing I wrote down for this promo was you feel the intensity. Yeah, I think this is building up to be the top match of the ones we've seen so far. Absolutely. This, this promo felt to me like Owen Hart finally didn't care about the title. Like obviously the title is really important to Owen Hart, but bad news Brown has gone above and beyond to the point where Owen isn't just fighting to keep his title. He's fighting to kick the shit out of bad news Brown. Yeah, this is a legitimate fight, not, not, a, not an athletic event. It's two guys that hate each other that are going to go at it. Absolutely. And speaking of athletic events, the next match, the team of Bad Company, Brian Pillman and Bruce Hart, beating Ben Dune McDonald and Mockin Singh. Bruce Hart's getting his, uh, his licks in on Mockin Singh. He throws Mockin Singh into the ring post on the outside and gets back into the ring and hits Brian Pillman with a hot tag. And Pillman gets in. He's hitting huge drop kicks on these guys. Like, he's jumping up. And Ben Dune McDonald is no short man. But it looks like Brian Pillman, if he wanted to, could hit a drop kick about a foot and a half above Ben Dune McDonald's head. Yeah, if, if he wanted. Because he was like, you know, it wasn't that, where you get one guy that's a lot taller than the other guy, so the drop kicks are kind of landing low. They were landing high on the jet. Mm-hmm. And Mockinson shuts him down when he gets back into the ring, and Pillman is in the bad corner. Pil- Mockinson and Ben Dewey McDonald are working him over pretty good. They get a submission hold on Pillman. Bruce Hart runs in, breaks up that submission hold, and gets thrown to the outside pretty quickly. Pillman fights his way back up to his feet and tags in Hart with his last last effort. He needs to catch his breath on the outside. Hart gets in, flying clothesline on Ben Dune, and Ben Dune's down. And Pillman is looking for the looking for the tag. He's reaching over the ropes. He's yelling at Bruce Hart. Bruce Hart goes over and Tags Brian Pillman in. He throws Ben Dune across the ring off the ropes. It's an Irish whip to the other side of the ring. And Ben Dune is running. Bruce Hart grabs the top of the ropes and Pillman's grabbing the top of the ropes too. And he springboards Brian Pillman over the top rope. And Pillman goes halfway across the ring hits a flying cross body on a running Ben Dune. And this is one of the coolest spots I've ever seen in a tag match. And it, it's one of those moves where I go, 
holy shit, this spot is incredible. Why aren't guys nowadays doing it? Yeah, it was a great move. It was too cool. And it, it might be just this combination of athleticism in Pillman and timing in Ben Toon and just understanding the wrestling business and understanding how tag team matches work from Bruce Hart. But whatever it was, that perfect story, that perfect storm just created this beautiful moment that it happened in 1987 before I was born, but I'm going to remember it for the rest of my life. It was amazing. Yeah. And it was perfectly executed. Like you, you really couldn't do it any better than that. I don't think. Yeah, like I, I'd love to see it come back into wrestling nowadays, but I don't know who I'd want to see do it because I want to see that move again, but I almost want it to remain just this this legendary moment of Brian Pillman in Stampede Wrestling. Well, Brian Pillman Jr., I think, could pull it off. I'd love to see Brian Pillman Jr. try it. That's a tag team that could make it work. Pillman Jr. and Davy Boy Smith Jr.? Yeah. Because I imagine Davy Jr. could almost catapult you from one side of the ring to the other. <laughs> well, remember when we were in Las Vegas and we saw him pick the guy up and throw him over the top rope from the floor? Yeah, I couldn't believe it. I was watching. I was like, is he going to? He just threw him in the ring. That's not possible. I, I wish we could go to that show again because. That that front row where they brought the couches out. That was incredible. Oh, yeah. Couches all around the ring. <laughs> the talent on that show was amazing, too. Jack Evans, Brian Pillman Jr., Davey Boy, Jacob Fatu. Yeah, that was an absolutely loaded card. Yeah, and moving from one loaded card to the next, June 19th, 1987, we start off with the moment of the century, the biggest moment in a stampede wrestling history, Mr. Hito beat Ben Dune McDonald. Mr. Hito gets a win. And really, you've already seen something special. And I've been pulling for him for, like, like I said to you, the uh, what I remembered about him is he always seemed to be getting beat up on. So it was so good to see him get a victory. And unfortunately, we didn't get to see the entire match because the tape fast-forwarded. Someone recorded a fast-forward on the tape, and it goes from Mr. Hito's been dominating the match and fast-forwards, and Mr. Hito is celebrating his victory. I wish we got to see more, but I was so excited that Mr. Hito won. Yeah, and I would just call that a VHS issue. <laughs> but Mockinson comes out and then fires Ben Dune McDonald as his tag team partner because what's he doing losing to Mr. Hito? Well, and they had bad blood too from the match with uh, for the tag team championship where Maka hit the his move on Pillman, wasn't it? Yeah, Karachi Crunch. The Karachi Crunch, yeah, and instead of taking advantage of going for the pin, he decided to work him a bit, and I think that led to them losing the match. Mm -hmm. 
we go from that match where Mockensing fired his tag team partner to another tag team match, Viet Cong Express, one and two, beating Davy Boy Smith's brother, Johnny Smith, and the future Jushin Thunder Liger, Keiichi Yamada. And they're really playing up Viet Cong Express looking the same at this point. They're letting them switch at will. There's no tags. The referee and opponents don't notice. The commentary is putting it over as it's guesswork. You don't know which one is in the ring. You just got to guess and you got to plan for one of them and you might be right. You got a 50-50 chance. Just do it. Yeah. Yeah, they're similar enough that you just can't tell that everything they wear is the same. And they know how to use it. They take advantage of it for sure. But they're also extremely talented outside of that. So they it makes them extremely dangerous. Mm-hmm. And at one point in this, they, the Viet Cong grab Keiji Yamada and they start to set him up for a pile driver. But he reverses and ends up doing a back body drop and flipping him over, over him. And he runs the ropes twice. He runs off of the one side of the ring to the other side of the ring and then hits a crazy fast crossbody. And we, we've been raving about Brian Pillman's athleticism, but Keiichi Yamada, Jushin Thunder Liger, his athleticism was off the charts. He might have been the fastest guy in the ring. And he's in the ring with the Viet Cong Express. Yeah, that's a matchup that I'm, you know, another one of those ones I, I hope lasts a few weeks and we get to see some more of it. Because, you know, I could stand to see another couple matches with those guys. The matches are incredible. And if you want to watch more Jushin Thunder Liger, I will definitely give you more Jushin Thunder Liger to watch. Oh, cool. Yeah. Let me know where to look or send it to. Yeah. Smith gets tagged in and the pace of the match changes. Johnny Smith is more of a powerhouse. He's not a wrestler that competes with speed and precision. He's going to slam you. He's going to, he's going to beat you up. He's going to, he's very much Davy boy Smith clone at this point in his career. He goes for a big splash or running power slam. Viet Cong that's waiting for the tag is in the corner. He actually haul, pulls the rope down and Johnny Smith, as he's trying to run the ropes, flips over the top rope, but the referee doesn't see it. And if the ref doesn't see it, it didn't happen. Throwing a c- opponent over the top rope is a red card. Is it a red card if you just happen to be there and leaning on the ropes and he goes over? I don't think so. I think most refs didn't let that go. It's it's more a deliberate throw over the top rope. And from from there, it's just it's routine for the V Kong Express. They win. They say they're next in line for the tag team titles, and I absolutely believe it. Yeah, and that's a match that you you just know is going to happen. Dude. Because I think the most talented tag guys in the in the business back then, or in Stampede. Yeah, we skip from them to the tag team champions, Brian Pillman, Bruce Hart, Bad Company, 
defeating the Cuban commandos, the Cuban assassin and Jerry Morrow. Or, sorry, it wasn't defeating them. It was a time limit draw. The Cuban commandos isolate Bruce Hart. He battles to the corner against Jerry Morrow and tags Pillman. But Cuban assassin, these bad guys know how to play the referee. Cuban assassin faked getting into the ring to distract the referee. And the referee turns around and goes, what is Pillman doing in here? Get out of here. And he tosses Pillman out and Bruce Hart, after being beaten up before he even cut to the match, is still in it with these two guys. Yeah, and Bruce took a definite pounding in this match. But he's a resilient guy, you know. You, it, it's easy to get a bit of the upper hand, but to actually pin him is another matter. Mm-hmm. Eventually, he tags Pillman in. And as before, Pillman is, he's six and a half feet in the air hitting drop kicks. Oh, he's, he's amazing. Like, you know, it's one thing to do a drop kick, but to get the, the height he gets on them, just, you know, it shows how athletic he was. It was just, it's scary athletic. Like there's been great athletes throughout all of wrestling and there's great athletes in wrestling now, but I'm not sure I've seen anyone with just so much pure athletic ability as Brian Pillman. Yeah, he was one of a kind. And th- this match finished. It was it was fast paced. It was pin attempt after pin attempt, submission attempt, submission attempt. It was both sides trying to get it before the time limit. Bruce hits a pile driver on the Cuban assassin. Cuban assassin kicks out. He hits a big side suplex on Cuban assassin. Cuban assassin kicks out. 30 seconds left. Cuban assassin is thrown off the opposite ropes and Pillman hits a crossbody off of the top rope halfway into the ring. Cuban assassin kicks out. Pillman is setting up for the next move and the time limit draw is reached. Yeah, that was an excellent match, but it was a time limit. It was a time limit draw. We'll see, we'll see a little more. Because I, you know, I could watch another 10, 20 minutes of those guys going at it for sure. Yeah, well... It was a went into the record books as a draw. Pillman and Hart are still the champions. Bruce Hart is on on the microphone. He's putting over the Cuban commandos and he's saying that they're they'll happily give them a rematch. There wasn't a whole lot of cheating in this match. Like Cuban commandos weren't trying to cheat and distract the referee. The only time they did was Cuban assassin faking the entry into the ring to get the referee not to notice the Bruce Hart to Pillman tag. Yeah, and I don't remember the Cuban assassin going to his pants for a foreign object either. No, it was a surprisingly clean match from the Cuban commandos, and I think they earned a lot of respect from Pillman and Hart. And Pillman gets on the mic. Pillman gets on the mic, he grabs it from Bruce Hart, and he challenges the Cuban commandos to a 60-minute match. Which, if we're lucky, we'll get to see the last 10 minutes of. Although I, I feel like a 60-minute match, you got to at least show a half hour of it if you're going to enter halfway through. Yeah, I imagine they'd show a lot more of it. I was kind of cool, just joking there. You know, my jokes aren't funny. That's why a lot of people don't know I'm joking. <laughs> I love the tag team of Bad Company. They're fantastic to watch. This tag division in Stampede Wrestling, I wasn't expecting this going back. I love tag team wrestling. It's my favorite type of wrestling. The Bad Company's amazing team. Cuban Commandos are amazing team. Masters of Disaster are fantastic. Viet Cong Express are 
absolutely incredible. It's Karachi Vice. Karachi Vice, when Gamma Singh was around, was an amazing tag team. Owen Hart and Ben Basharab as a tag team was incredible. Yeah, it's it's going to be exciting. Looking forward to some great tag team matches. And we go to the main event. It was hyped up last week. It was hyped up the week before. It was hyped up the week before that. Bad News Allen finally gets his title shot against Owen Hart. And he loses by disqualification. So Bad News had the advantage for most of the match. He's really controlling with his size. And he throws Owen into the corner. And Owen responds with a springboard crossbody off the second rope. And both men are down. Mock and Singh comes out from the back and Owen Hart spots him and hits a suicide dive between the first and the second rope into Mock and Singh and they're brawling outside of the ring. So Mockin hasn't interfered yet, but Owen Hart has, it, he knows what's going to happen. He's interjected himself. He's going to bring it to Mock and Singh before Mock and Singh can cost him the match. Which was a smart move because when you see him there, you know what's coming. Absolutely. Bad news knocks the referee down with the clothesline. And then Bad News and Mockin are both beating up Owen. Mockin gets the live microphone and he's inciting the crowd while he's in the rink beating up Owen Hart. Bad News goes for a splash on Owen. Owen gets his knees up and turns the table on Bad News. And Mockin Singh and Bad News, numbers game, just beat down Owen Hart. Yeah, which is... Typical for, you know, the bad guys. Well, again, I say I never understood why the good guys don't go at them with more numbers. Well, especially after the um, the match a couple weeks before where it was Owen Hart and Jerry Morrow. And, right, Bad News Allen was out there and you had Owen, Pillman, Richie, Davey Boy Smith all out there to to scare off the bad guys. But when Owen is facing Bad News Allen and Mockin Singh's out there, none of his friends are there to help him out. Yeah, it's just too bad. Although, you know, I've never understood what goes on in the back room. They might have been showering. But just to me, I would, I, I thought that all the time. Why don't they bring their friends out? Yeah, and before this show goes off the air, Bad News Allen goes, how dare Owen Hart attack Mockensing? My friend Mockensing was just coming out here with a Coke and some popcorn, and he was just going to sit there and enjoy the match. Yeah, which is where I think Ed's getting going to get a little tired of it if he continues this type of behavior. I hope so. I, I hope Ed Whalen has a moment where he just really gives it to Bad News Allen. Well, I don't think they'd be playing it like they come up and down the road. I mean, Ed's, that's one of the things about Ed. He'll, he'll challenge it. I hope he does, and I hope he does it soon because that would be really entertaining. Yeah, hopefully. And like but, I say, knowing Ed, I'm almost sure it'll happen. I hope so. But that brings us to the end of June 1987. That was the last episode. We'll be back next week with the next episode of the podcast. Hope you guys enjoy listening to this, and you'll come back next week. So, in the meantime and in between time, that's it. Another edition of Wrestling Rodeo.